talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Last four days on Earth? Mm. If I had a dick, I'd go get laid. We can do the next best thing. What's that? Huh? Let's kill people. <laughs> oh, not you. Hello, and welcome once again to more like The Worst Wing, the show where we take a look at Aaron Sorkin's seminal television series, The West Wing, from a bit more of a leftist, socialist perspective here in the year of our Lord, 2019. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And together we are taking on, this is the second season, 15th episode of the second season of The West Wing, entitled Ellie. Ellie, uh, named after one of the Bartlett daughters who will factor prominently into this episode. But before we even get to that, let's just start right with the cold open. Where let <laughs> Which us, is great. Let us take you back, dear listener, to the, <laughs> the time of 1999 slash 2000 when uh, a chat room was something that lots of people were engaging in. Um, that existed and was done yeah, so, at times. So rather than, oh, I guess the modern equivalent would be doing like a Reddit AMA, uh, but it's yep. instead the Surgeon General, um, who is named uh, Millie, uh, Male- Maleficent, I guess, is it short for? Ma- I, I don't know. I don't know if we ever Ma- get any Miller, clarification. Miller something? Anywho. Millicent? Maybe? Millicent? Sure, why not? But anyway, the Surgeon General, who is a nice doctor lady named Millie, uh, is having a chat room uh, with just some randos, apparently, uh, about marijuana, uh, is the topic. And, you know, uh, these rando stoner kids are asking, like, some dumb questions about, like, will marijuana make my boyfriend impotent? And stuff like that, (laughs) uh, which is funny. And so the Surgeon General gets to dispense some cool medical knowledge and whatnot. I find it odd and kind of funny that even in 2000, this show, written by California writers who surely understand weed at this point, is still coming up with, like, factual inaccuracies, like, weed's gonna make you throw up if you climb the stairs too fast, like... Which I've never heard of. Yeah, like, I mean, I've heard of greening out and throwing up because, like, you cough too hard or whatever. Oh, sure. But, like, but not because, like, weed made you so (laughs) tipsy-turvy unbalanced that you you puked walking up steps. Dude, dude, if anything else, I'm too zoned in. Right, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, like, we give weed to lessen nausea, actually, Mm -hmm. from people undergoing chemo. Um, So it's weird, but, again, mostly accurate stuff. And then, so she basically says... She gets asked a a question about, like, do you think weed should still be illegal? And she's like, well, I can't comment on that part of it because that's not my department. But I can tell you that weed is less harmful than alcohol or nicotine. And those are both legal. uh, And it's probably a little fucked that we're arresting people for something that is less harmful than those two substances. uh, Is basically what she says. And then Josh... Lyman, who is watching the entire thing, starts freaking out and goes, "Uh oh, we got a problem." <laughs> and like, it's it, like a m- tiny audience of online like people, like twenty AOL when, users, yeah, like, <laughs> when like no, almost nobody was online, right? But of course, uh, the press start is going to start picking it up, and it starts becoming a thing. And that's the end of our cold open: is them realizing, like, uh oh, we got a weed problem now. <laughs> uh oh, spaghettios. So a uh, smash cut right to the credits, and then when we get back, um, we we get Josh talking to CJ, 
and CJ immediately goes into like, oh, well, this is easy. Here's how you spin this. And I really like this kind of like character work we see here where we kind of get to see CJ's process uh, very quickly. Like, okay, yeah, no problem. So obviously this is like, quote unquote, a problem for us, but this is very easy. She didn't even any say anything about legalization or or drug policy. She just made very uncontroversial claims about marijuana itself not being as harmful as nicotine or alcohol. And uh, and she kind of shows Josh how to spin it. And he's like, yeah, okay, good, good. And then she goes <laughs> into the press room and, and does exactly what she planned. Yeah, and it's a really good, um, honestly, you know, we're, we're quite cynical about this this show, but like watching Josh and CJ like run the Talking Points workshop in real time is... You know, I frankly making sausage in this show's idiom sucks, but right. it's still interesting to see it. But that being is what the done. show is supposed to be doing: is showing us how the sausage is made. And so yes, often, exactly. so often they skip over that part of it. So it's nice to actually see them focus on the actual, like, oh, here's how spin is done. Here is how talking points get disseminated. You know. Well, yes, and there was another. This actually, uh, it reminds me of another scene when. Um, the other episode we did recently where they walk out of the office having been quote unquote ambushed. And granted, this was about a really, a really stupid thing with the press conference right, on, on the, the Capitol steps. Yeah. Yeah. There's the only really, uh, frankly, appealing portion of that episode was the little huddle with the four of them where they go, how do we fix this? Right. Here's how do we do that? No, we don't do that. We do this instead because this does this. And you see that again, right here, just in a little CJ Josh moment which is nice yes um and sadly the cj moments are pretty much the only nice moments i have to uh to rave about (laughs) for this particular episode because it's awful uh not just because of the position it takes on weed but it's just a bad episode of television again we got another stinker here folks um so let's surprise yeah let's let's just start moving right through it here uh, so, um, the second subplot of this episode is that Toby is trying to get this blue ribbon commission, which again, the goal is to cut social security benefits. This is the same commission he talked about with Seth Gillette, uh, in the last episode, um, AKA Ed Begley Jr. Um, so Toby is still in left punching mode and he's trying to have a meeting with the labor leaders who of course are like, why the fuck are we here? Uh, we don't want to cut social security either. We, we don't want to do this at all. Right. And so it, the, the little interaction between Toby and these guys, which I have a clip of here. Toby, it's not that we don't understand your predicament, but I'm telling you, the commission will not be credible with our people unless they know there's someone on it who's a friend of labor. And a friend of seniors. The president's a friend of labor, a friend of seniors, a friend of small animals. Toby. We're running out of time. Lenny. We announced this thing at the State of the Union, we've got to get it going. The State of the Union's your problem. Nobody brought us in. Yes. And I, for one, I'm not sure I see a need for emergency-like speed. Really? It's like, yeah. And and they're rightfully just like, right. Toby, what, what the fuck? What's going yeah. on, buddy? <laughs> what, what, what's happening? And the, the like in, in the clip, um, it's just like, yeah, This the fact that you announced this at the State of the Union... Is your fucking fault. Right. He's like, yeah, you they kept, fixed this. They kept pushing to get this stupid fucking commission, cat food commission announcement in here. Uh, and now he's having trouble running the actual cat food com- or even getting it started. Uh, and, and now it's becoming another big problem for them. This is a lot of like 
you know, we've got problems, but we we caused them all. Uh, kind well, and, of episode. And also, like, with the typical kind of, um, we are serious men, and so we're going to bring together serious thinkers to take on these serious issues. Thing where it's really like, if you hadn't said anything about it at all, it would have been fine. Never would have come up. Right. Like, not fine, fine. Like, you still have to deal with Social Security at some point, which is a, a thing that Toby says at some point. You know, oh, the we got to fix it at some point in the next 30 years. News newsflash that has been the state of social security for its entire existence is that it's always been dying in 30 years and we always tweak it and we always fix it um so if you're young do not give up the fight for social security i want my goddamn social security if we're still around to get it um (laughs) and uh, you know at this point that's a uh, dubious proposition sure for a number of other reasons but (laughs) (laughs) nothing to do with the solvency yeah (laughs) so Eventually, we see them come out, and they're they're talking about the the third kind of yes. I was just about to transition into that here, which is that. (laughs) Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt your. No, it's fine. Um, thank you. Uh, but yes, our third main uh issue of this particular episode is this movie producer, uh, and then also this fundamentalist Christian group that has a name of with family on it because they're making fun of focus on the family, of course. Uh has a movie that has come out called Prince of New York is the name of the fictional movie. It is supposed to be filled with, like, sex, violence, and religious symbology that is upsetting to the conservative types. Uh, Supposedly, the president has, quote-unquote, denounced the movie, which is coming as a shock to all of our White House staff at this news. Uh, And then the focus on the family group thanked the president for denouncing the bad, sexy, violent movie. (laughs) Uh, and it has them all kind of in this weird pickle of like, uh, so w- what do we do here? Yeah. And so if you follow that train of logic, it's like basically the producer, we find out, called Charlie, who schedules right. these things. and he schedules the like, movie screenings for yeah, the president. And it was like, would you like to screen my movie for the president? And Charlie completely, uh, just kind of neutrally, says, no. Nah, you know, I'd rather not. No endorsement, no, no uh, value judgment applied. Right. Yeah, no no denunciation or anything. And then the producer guy, in an effort to gin up free, his own mm-hmm. free press, mm-hmm. was like, oh my gosh, the White House has denounced my movie by refusing to show it. And then this family group picks up on that and is like, thanks, White House. And so the White House is trying to figure out how to be like, we don't want to be associated with these dudes. So there's it's literally like like turnabout of turnabout of turnabout of turnabout. Right. <laughs> this is the, this incredibly complicated like refusal to just sort of not give a shit about this Right, stuff. again, uh, a lot of these are just <laughs> complete non-stories that the episode decides to elevate into major issues. Uh Again, like, these are tweets that would get, like, 20 hearts, you know? Like, these are yeah. the, these are low-engagement tweet things that the episode is deciding are, like, the issue of the day that must be solved. And so, it's, re- it's very funny. And the last two sort of things that end up coming up involve some wonderful guest stars. Yes. Um, because the titular character of the episode is President Bartlett's, is it his youngest? His middle daughter. Middle. Zoe's youngest His middle daughter Ellie, in the process of the uh, kind of working out the 
Surgeon General thing. Right, so what we haven't said yet is that they ask for the Surgeon General's resignation over this whole weed chat room debacle, essentially. Because the administration's policy is that they're very anti-weed legalization. I assume because this is sort of mimicking the Clinton 90s, like, tough-on-crime kind of garbage bullshit we saw from neoliberals. And... So the administration is very mad at the Surgeon General just for saying uncontroversial facts like marijuana is less harmful than alcohol or nicotine, uh, and they demand her resignation. She pulls the power move of going, no, fuck that, I serve at the pleasure of the president, you make him fire me, I'm not resigning shit, uh, which, is, which is good, and then, which then causes further issues for Josh um, and, and the rest of the group, and then this is where Ellie enters... Um, where she offers up a quote to Danny Kincannon, basically saying that my father would never fire uh, the Surgeon General because she is a family friend and she did nothing wrong. Uh, and then Ellie, it's, it's also important to note, is a med student um, and so is therefore taking this very seriously as like, hey, she's a doctor and she has to tell the truth and you can't fire a doctor for telling the truth is kind of Ellie's moral argument on it, basically. Yep. So she comes in and we have a whole thing, which we'll get into with her. Mm-hmm. The other guest star is that to, <laughs> to try and fix Toby's fuck up, he calls in his Senator ex-wife. Yes. So we get to Andy. see Andy again. Um, who's, who's always delightful, by the way. Yeah, she, she has wonderful unique, to have around. She has a unique way of dealing with Toby because she knows Toby. <laughs> uh, and she can cut through like a lot of his shit very quickly, which is a nice dynamic to see play out between the characters. And it's actually, they again, to their, to their very brief credit, the writers just let the character play off of Toby in mm-hmm. the relatively brief time they spend on screen together. And it's perfect because Toby basically just buries himself throughout this scene with them and then he has this sort of self-driven epiphany where he just is going to be even more of an asshole about (laughs) his problem yep and she the whole time she's just looking at him like the dumb asshole right (laughs) yeah she gives a great running commentary (laughs) just with her face uh essentially um so really good work here uh, again, like these are the the small things we have to cling on to because the bulk of the episode is really bad, and we'll get into it when we start digging into the issues here. Um, so eventually, we kind of let's keep all this stuff wraps yeah. up. All this stuff wraps up where Toby gets the solution that he's looking for with this stupid commission in Ed Begley Jr. <laughs> in um, the dumbest way. <laughs> Sam uh, ends up fixing the movie producer thing with a little diatribe. Right. And then we have a whole denouement at the end of the ish episode with um, Millie, the Surgeon General, and the President, and yes. sort of um, tangentially his daughter, which yes. will, again, Actually, go the, into... Actually, the bulk of the conversation is about Ellie between yes. the two of them. And uh, so, but yeah, but he, un, he unfires her. Uh, yes. and, and says, okay, I'm because she actually comes up with the resignation letter because she realizes, okay, it, it would look bad if he has to fire me. I will resign. So she comes in with the letter ready to resign, and he goes, no, ultimately I will not take your resignation, and we are going to back you up, and CJ's going to give you, you know, some backing in the press and, and all that kind of thing. So they do sort of flip-flop ultimately on the issue. They don't, <laughs> they don't say that they're in favor of weed legalization now, but they are willing to at least back up the Surgeon General's comments. And 
in all all three of these little sort of character vignettes, nothing happens. Again, <laughs> we have Sam bringing it back to status quo. We have Toby and Andy bringing it back to status quo to a certain extent, I guess. But then we have... I guess he president. starts the commission, so that's something. But. Yeah. And then we have the president just being like, after all of this maundering about... We're just nope, going to treat it like the non-story gonna... we should have treated it like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we have an entire episode dedicated to these, like, ultimately fruitless political, you know, machinations. Exactly. And it's pretty typical. Yeah. So... We're going to take a break right here, and we'll dig in on each of these issues um, in a little bit more depth. So let's dig further into the uh, weed issue. Uh, I need the Stephen A. Smith (laughs) remix clip here of, Stay off the damn weed! Um, In addition to all the lazy stoner jokes that this episode makes about how, oh my god, anyone who smokes weed is just has a Doobie Brothers album and a big old bong, (laughs) you know, like, and a Bob Marley flag, and like, all of these specific references are dropped in the episode, by the way. I'm not pulling these out of my ass. And Josh himself is extremely anti-weed throughout his entire arguments uh, with the Surgeon General. He has a little tell-a-Donna bit where Donna's like, you know, the reason to make something illegal is you have to prove it's bad and and make worthy of, of banning it. As a, you know, as a nation, we, we tend to default to things being legal until you prove it's actually, like, very, very harmful. And Josh is like, uh, but, uh, uh... J- the lack of arguments in response to anything that is pro-weed in this episode is astounding. Like, just from a writing perspective, you could tell that Sorkin wanted this to be... Like, he wanted his heroes to be anti-weed in a in a cool or smart way, and he has no way of actually doing that, because there is no way to be anti-weed in, in a cool, cool or smart, smart way. way. Yeah. <laughs> because it's an, it's an inherently ridiculous <laughs> position to have. Like, you can only do it from, like, a moral, guardian, you know, Christian sort of perspective of, like, oh, the devil's lettuce, and it leads you to a life of sin. Um, But they're trying to do it in, like, the neoliberal smart way, and there really isn't a way to do that. And so, actually, like, and I had this epiphany, and I... I I might make my little hand-scrawled note the, the, like, episode tile or whatever this time (laughs) around, because... The, the th- oh right. What ends up happening is that oh right. They yeah. So Leo in in the course of um, administrating, she deal she, he deals with uh, the Surgeon General yes, and yell, kind of yells at her. In the course yeah. of administrating the Surgeon General's resignation, there's a scene where almost in the same breath he just lays into Millie, the Surgeon General, about stepping over an administrative largely administrative boundary because like yes not staying in her lane yeah yeah, exactly and while almost in the same sentence explaining how the right wing or the people that they're afraid will be mad at them or Mm -hmm. whatever for this does that as a matter of course in their politicking like how they they just conflate all of these things Mm -hmm. yeah and so and completely fails to realize the, that it's just like, the, like irony here. Yeah, like why not? Why why don't we do this? 
Right, why not we make this into a conflation thing where we can get, like, a bunch of support? Because later on, they, they say all of these groups that are supporting them now, and of course they all have funny names of, like, <laughs> Society for the Promotion of Cannabis and stuff like that. Uh, just as a quick personal aside here, I remember walking past my student union in fucking 2003, my freshman year of college. I passed by the table for Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Legislation. Which, and if I got the acronym wrong, I apologize. But I passed by the weed legalization folks. And men, and this is, I am not a stoner at the time, not 18-year-old me. That's too goody-goody two-shoes. <laughs> but I passed by them, and I mentally, I don't say anything aloud, but mentally I just think to myself, man, what a fucking waste of time. Do you think weed is ever going to be legal in this stupid country? And lo and behold, look where we yeah, are now in 2019. <laughs> so, just, just saying to yourself... Just 18-year-old me, I'm sending bad vibes to past judgmental Dave, who who did not realize the scope of change that was possible and how quickly it could be accomplished um, when people actually set their minds to it and and states realize that they can get a shitload of tax revenue off of it. And and I'm I'm almost positive it wasn't deliberate on their part, but there is also a brief line that Bartlett delivers at some point where he's sort of like. He comes off the plane from his trade meeting in Japan or whatever the right, fuck the Japan, he was. We haven't even mentioned Japan. It really doesn't factor It doesn't in. factor into the episode, <laughs> but it's a fun little detail. So, uh, but anyway, go he ahead. He comes back. Yeah, he gets off the plane. He gets off the plane. He's like, oh my God, you guys, you blew this shit up while I was out. How do I have like the Cheech and Chong fan club and the Christian right pissed off at me? Like both sides of the political spectrum. No, in, in love with him. Or what, whatever it is. Yeah. But then, and... It, this goes along with the Leo thing where it's just like, how, how do you not, Why not connect that this this literally appeals, both of these things theoretically appeal to the entire, like th- there is no left mm-hmm. or right on this issue. Right. And all they're doing is they're just obsessed with sticking to the rules and regulations. Like you don't yeah, but have no, to we're, do anything. Right. It's it, it's ridiculous, and like you would think that uh, a smart these are supposed to be smart politicians, smart political operatives, smart people with a sense for political strategy. You would think that it's like, boy, these two disparate groups have unified together on this would would be sending up big red flag <laughs> signals of like, oh shit, we have an opportunity here. Like, but nope. <laughs> But none, none of uh, they just treat it like a big problem that has to be solved. And, and also, um, like the again by the with the belittling tone and sort of the jokey take on it, it's just so condescending. It's yes, and it, I, I guess it, I would say it goes without saying, but I'm about to say it that Aaron Sorkin himself was snorting mountains of cocaine <laughs> while writing this episode uh, and making his hot takes about how weed is so stupid and bad for you. Uh, and I guess this just comes down to uh, cocaine is a productive person's, rich person's drug, whereas weed is like a poor person, lady, lazy stoner's drug. That's the only comprehension I can I can take for Sorkin's worldview uh, from, from the way this episode is written. Yeah. So that's... Because he's not anti-drug, clearly. Well, and they don't, they don't actually, outside of it being like sort of a, a pivot around the drama with the Surgeon General to happen, like... The, the presumption that the, quote, politics of marijuana are just static 
at this point in time is very right. is very like it's very 2000 it's just like very time yeah capsule. it's here yeah here's the you here's know the nothing was this was again this is why i brought up the anecdote of 18 year old college dave he was very much in that mindset of oh why would weed laws ever change in my lifetime are you kidding um and what's funny is california was probably like going medical like uh, when did that pass i'm actually gonna look this up give me one moment yeah so like it does we don't actually get any real debate about weed may 2005 yeah. yeah uh is when is when medical uh cannabis passed for the first time in california um which was the first time nationwide apparently and and so it's it's more of a it's more it's more to enable the the family and character drama than to actually dig right. in on the politics because right yeah no no actual discussion of drug laws or drug policy or whatever is ever done other than to throw in Millie's face that it's not her department to to discuss these kind of things although at one point she, I do think she brings up juvenile arrest rates mm. uh, or something like that to to strengthen her own side which is of course she is she is implicitly making the case for legalization throughout the episode. Um, but but never never explicitly, not in her chat room or not to the press or anything like that. But implicitly, internally, within the White House, she is saying, like, yeah, it's fucked up that we're arresting a bunch of the black kids for this harmless drug. Like well, and you and again with the with the Leo argument, it's it's the God, and I can't believe I'm about to say this. The, the dialectical perspective on this is that you can't talk about, um, like, crime rates. You can't talk about health care. You can't talk about these things without also talking about marijuana and legalization. Right. And the the concept that, you know, the show as, as an institution and these characters just so often embrace is that it's, oh, well, you know... This time we're gonna talk about it's just weed. It's only weed. Right. It's only this drug. Like you can't do this. It doesn't thing. have knock-on effects with and, with and there's a no million interaction other with anything else. It's strictly in in these bubbles that this issue exists, right. and it's garbage. Like it. Sure. Great. Thanks, it, guys. It shows a lack of imagination, <laughs> essentially, yeah, and perspective. From, yeah, and yeah, very. It's so myopic essentially it's just this complete tunnel vision focus on one issue as its own issue and not the various knock-on effects it has with a million other political issues yeah so sort of that that's as far as they really get into the the weed issue do we want to talk about exactly uh president dad here uh no we okay. can say we'll save that for for a bit i thought ellie would come up okay. more uh, but really, Ellie just kind of her defense of the Surgeon General is really unrelated to the weed issue. Yes. Like Ellie herself doesn't bring up weed in any in any way. She's she's not pro or anti. She's just she's just pro Millie. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll save that. So for yeah, a let's bit take a later. break. Let's take a break now and. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna talk about the movie thing. Uh, because it's another sort of it, it pivots off of the the Surgeon General Ellie and Bartlett interaction, but sort of the weird, as we mentioned, um, left, right, left, right, back and forth of the administration with the focus on the family group, with the clearly very progressive and almost auteur-like uh, filmmaker mm -hmm. becomes 
an issue for the press office um, in a way that isn't particularly political. Not really. But, like, it's very, it's particularly a time capsule. I'm just going to come out and say it. Yeah, it's a Tipper Gore kind of thing. Like, it's a little morality play, almost. Well, and, and the fact that the show takes so much time to... Um, like, it devotes so much screen time to what is, frankly, a non-issue. Yeah, 100%. It's it's somewhat confusing, but as I was thinking about it and remembering growing up <laughs> at this time in the world, the, the movie-stirring shit thing, like, you know, you've got your Michael Moore's, your filmmakers that are very popular or sure. within the popular culture thing. At this point in time, I'm almost positive that this is a dogma reference Mm -hmm. so kevin smith's dogma Mm -hmm. came out in 1999 Mm -hmm. and it was a big deal but it was a big deal i think particularly as you were saying with like hollywood types right as in well they're they're (laughs) the types to obsess about themselves kind of and anytime a movie gets like political or like political attention they love that uh, because it means their art has actual value um, it's like affecting the real world, like in a real way. So what happened is, you know, some of the Catholics and some religious conservatives got kind of upset about dogma because it was a satirical work featuring religion, as they do anytime anything happens like this. Uh, they did it with Life of Brian. They did it with Jesus Christ Superstar, even though that's not really satirical per se. They did it with The Last Temptation of Christ. There's always a group of fundamentalists who who will protest any movie that dares mock their religion in any way, shape, or form. So uh, what was funny is Kevin Smith himself attended one of the dogma protests. Have you seen Evening with Kevin Smith? By the way, everybody go out and watch Evening with Kevin Smith. It's It's fantastic. Amazing. It's absolutely. It's actually. (laughs) It's so good. It is. Shout out. To my wife, we watched <laughs> Evening with Kevin Smith back before we were even dating. Oh. And I remember to this day, dying laughing. Yeah. But anyway, everybody check out Evening with Kevin Smith. <laughs> um, the the movie itself in this case, as they say, and you actually had a, a handle on what it, it, it's an updated or like oh, a uh, modernized yeah, uh, version uh, uh, of, of, the, of um, the, the fool, the idiot, uh, Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky's yes. the idiot. Or the fool, the idiot. It's the idiot. Um, I, but yeah, it's a, it's basically a remake of that, but with more sex and violence, essentially. Um, yeah. Because you know that's how you get ratings. I say, as <laughs> Game of Thrones has just finished with its 19 million views. Well, and so um, this, we don't get a whole lot of information about this, and for some reason, it, it comes any. down to, yeah. it comes down to an interaction between Sam. Seaborn and the producer, the guy who ginned up this it's thing, the free PR. And CJ the, calls him out right away on like, oh, he's just trying to gin up some free press for his stupid movie. And I think she treats it with the level of seriousness that it should be treated <laughs> with. And it's Sam who gets like the bugaboo up his ass about it, uh, leading oh. to the clip in question. Yeah. Oh, and it's it's incredible. Like, and I'll, I'll play the clip here. Hey, Morgan. You ever call the president a coward again for your own PR purposes? It's not going to be C.J. Craig you got to deal with. It's going to be me. You understand what I'm saying, right? Yes. Where the the biggest, <laughs> like the biggest possible slight within this administration is calling the president a coward. Right. Like, oh no. Yeah, it's <laughs> not. 
not my my big president daddy. He's not a coward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, and so also like there's some other very time capsule. He references Don Imus. Oh my god! Right, fucking yes. Don Imus. I only remember back, back when Don Imus was still considered a serious yeah, person. <laughs> for serious, that's and some like, time capsule. <laughs> it was just, and it's just very strange because it almost feels like uh, Sorkin was trying to have an excuse, and for all I know, at this point in his career, um, Rob Lowe pushed Sorkin to be like, "You got to write me in for something like this," because there's Maybe. literally no reason for Sam to have this confrontation. I guess with the guy. It's, it's like, okay, It does cool. feel, it feels out of nowhere, and they're having this weird, like, panel about, like, I think the V-chip or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and, like, TV censorship is going on, and Sam makes this dumb, dumb argument about, like, because someone says, like, well, you know, crime, you know, you sit, you claim TV is, violence is a problem, but crime is dropping decade after decade in a major way, which is true. And Sam's response is, yeah, but there's studies that show if kids watch violence, then they feel bad or so, or something like that, or that it causes violent behavior, which is which is a load of bullshit. But, <laughs> but Sam is framed as the one who is correct because he gets the last word. And like the more I think about it, this the whole the the entire issue that the, that we've devoted now six minutes to talking about could have just been cut out of the script entirely and yeah nothing it, it would have had absolutely no impact right and if you're like, gonna write filler write better filler you know for real <laughs> like this is boring this is really boring <laughs> shit like we uh we're having a lot of fun this episode but i don't want to undersell how the how bad and boring th- this particular episode of the west wing is it's bad yeah and this stuff could have just not been done like yeah, could have do something better. Do something more it. interesting. Have Donna and Josh fuck. Like, who cares? Do something. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm watching TV here. I want to be entertained. Yeah. I don't want to be. I don't want to be like obliquely moralized at in the via dumbest Sam way. Seaborn. Uh, and just as a final aside, the title "Prince of New York" for some reason keeps making me think of "Princes of Egypt," the animated movie about Moses by DreamWorks. Oh hell yeah. Which is which is rip roaring and where Val Kilmer plays Mo- <laughs> Moses, uh, and right. probably has the most badass depictions of shit like the ten plagues I've ever done seen, uh, and the right. the Red Sea and that kind of stuff. So again, uh, we're plugging a lot of stuff in this episode. I have more plugs to come uh, when we get to the end. But let's take a quick break here, and then we can talk a bit about uh, either. To- do you want to talk about Toby's commission thing, or have we covered it enough? We can probably just skip Toby's commission. Okay, and now then let's talk. The we'll talk about President Dad. President and, Dad. Uh, and how he views his relationship with Ellie, the titular character. All right, so our final segment here today isn't really um, devoted to a particular political issue, but it's related to the Surgeon General discussion of the uh, marijuana perspective because. We get a glimpse of, for the first time, uh, President Bartlett's middle daughter Ellie, who mm-hmm. we are we we learn in this episode is a medical student at Johns Hopkins who is trying to figure out what to specialize in mm-hmm. currently, or has decided what her specialty is, but she's still sort of relatively young for the like the main characters right of the ep- of the the series, if you will. So what happens is Ellie reaches out to Danny Kincannon, our favorite White House reporter, mm-hmm. and sort of just says, 
off screen, unseen. Uh, in this yeah, episode. we never see it off screen. That like the president would, my dad would never fire Millie mm-hmm. because she's like a family friend, and that's and, how we would and, do. And she other. was telling the truth. Yeah, um, she would. And, and he, he wouldn't. He wouldn't, fi- he wouldn't fire someone just for telling the truth. Is I think the direct quote, yep. um, or some something along those lines, and. Uh, what's funny is the reaction we get from the rest of our characters is, you mean Zoe did this, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they all expect Zoe to be the problem one. Yeah, the uh, who's who's going to be Zoe. dropping quotes to the press. And then <laughs> everyone has to do a double take when they get told, no, it was Ellie. <laughs> and they go, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this kind of, um, what he does is Bartlett basically like demands that Ellie show up at the mm-hmm. White House. And frankly, not without... Like Johns Hopkins is like forty five minutes away. Sure, so it's not it's not a <laughs> so huge production it, for her. Yeah. yeah, not a big deal to drive down to DC. But, um, <laughs> so shows up and so part of why this episode actually sticks in my craw personally is again um, my wife, who's a tremendous fan of the show. I don't know if everybody has listened to our full run. Like she was basically one of the resources that I've relied on this entire time. Mentioned like a, to like me, a little walking West Wing Wikipedia. Pretty much. And <laughs> m- mentioned to me at one point that the scene that I'm about to sort of play here with this clip is, for her, was very personally um, affecting. And to a certain group of American, particularly young women, I can see the sort of dramatic impact and emotional attachment to this clip. Okay, and this is accurate, right? This quote, my father won't fire the Surgeon General. He would never do that. Yes. Eleanor, when you put your head down, your hair falls in your face, and I can't see your face, and I can't hear what you're saying. Now look at me and talk to me. Yes, the quote is accurate. What the hell are you doing talking to a reporter? I I have set up monumental, unprecedented, unbreakable rules about my children in the press. I have gotten White House reporters transferred to Yemen for approaching Zoe and Elizabeth. It is the law. Sure. Where he basically is simultaneously sort of like condescending to her and also like demanding Trying to be that reassuring. She, yeah. But, but like also demanding that she measure up and right. be like, well, you know, the, the line of like, Take your take your hair out of your face. I can't hear when you speak to me. When that like, it's just oh god, it's so awkwardly like boomer dad. Right. I just. I think so, both yeah. actors are doing fantastic work here, um, and like Sheen in particular, I think is doing good with what material he's been given. I just have a qualm with the material itself, where I think this makes him look awful. Yes. Uh, and like he's he's just he's yelling at his daughter for taking a principled moral stand on something. And like not only that, she's very much tying it up in her identity as doctor now, you know, and like, hey, as a doctor, we have a responsibility, Millie and I kind of thing to to the truth as like as an ideal. Uh, and it's it's clearly like kind of a bigger sort of personal issue to her. And he's sort of dismissing it. As the as like sort of the political issue that it is, that um, or and, that or, or there's just, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, finish your thought. No, or just I mean he's just so angry. 
Like, he's just so angry. And, like, and we know in the fiction of the show that Bartlett's father was abusive to him. And it's hard to not just kind of see this as sort of another sort of cycle of abuse moment where he's just taking out this anger on his daughter for really no good reason. And it's also, it's very much wrapped up in the weird sort of purity ball level um, daddy-daughter dynamics where he goes in the clip like with the rant about like I've had White House reporters transferred to Yemen for daring oh to approach my what a children line in 2019. <laughs> I know for for real. I mean that that aside, it's just like, <laughs> dude. Not only is this like it, it's personally very overbearing and abusive with your children, but it's adult like adult children. Yes, yes. You're you're fully actual. This isn't Zoe. This is she's a college. She's a med student. She's yes. in her like mid twenties, you know, <laughs> late young twenties to mid twenties at this point, you know, and li- his older daughter Liz, I assume he tr- basically treats the same way, even though she's even older uh, and with an even more established life. But yeah, this is the very patriarchal boomer president dad at its worst kind of shit right here. Uh, and then, so and then the real boomer thing of is of course that. He pays it off in the end and makes nice, uh, which, of course, makes up for the abuse um, when he has the nice moment with her in the movie theater at the end um, where, you know, it's very sentimental and it works as television and whatever. But it it it's, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. You know, it's it's very like, oh, you know, this is the, the tactic of abusers is like, oh, they can be so nice when they want to be, though. Yeah. Today, today today frankly and you know most of my life it is it's incredibly cycle of abuse and i think there's it's very much like you know you spank a child and then when you're done you tell them you love them anyway and that is fucked up Um, right then that's basically exactly what happens here yeah yeah, yeah. but he does it he does it verbally uh and then and then makes it up to her verbally but she cries so we're meant to understand that all is good now well and i think and there's also the sort of the like with the political appointee slash we find out that Millie is um, Ellie's godmother. Right. So there is a there's a very personal and for the the type of person who takes that relationship seriously, it is you know, it's a it's a legitimate institution to have godparents that are your guardians, you know, you grew right. up with them, whatever. Right. And it's and, clear that they are the close type, uh, yes. Ellie Ellie and Millie. Not just like the the you know honorific type of godparent, <laughs> yeah. but like they have actually been close family friends, um, and so this is really interesting. So he, the president, asked Millie, "Hey, did you put Ellie up to this? Did you two like basically team up to tag team me here, knowing it, knowing it, I couldn't really oh, respond to you?" It's and so then, paranoid. Which, and of course she's like, no, of course not. And then he immediately pivots into, why doesn't Ellie like me, though? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, uh. And it's, it's also, it's even worse than that. It's this passive, I think because he's like, you, or he, he accuses Millie of saying that Ellie doesn't, or that he doesn't love Ellie as much as his other right. daughters. Millie, Millie says that, like, well, you know, kids are perceptive. And they pick up on the fact that they're not their father's favorite. And he's like, how dare you? I love all my children equally. Which is, of course, like the standard parent response. But, like, 
of course you can tell that he doesn't he doesn't love Ellie as much. Like, <laughs> and look, I'm not a parent, so I can't comment on this. But holy shit, it is the way that he treats her versus the way that we've seen in the show. Oh, he, he loves Zoe. Zoe. He loves Zoe. Like for as much crap as they give her about like, oh, that damn Zoe always up to crap. You know, he loves Zoe. Like, he dotes on her. He makes the whole White House. Yeah, he makes the whole White House shut down and have chilly night because Zoe's coming over. Like, like I'm, he's obviously employee. loves Zoe more than, please, than he loves please. Ellie. You love this man? Oh, go ahead. Like, never mind right. the hilarious conflicts of interest and potentially dangerous relationship. Yeah. Okay, so here's an actual <laughs> PR nightmare that they're totally, he was totally fine authorizing, and instead they gin up these fake PR nightmares, like, oh no, the movie got denounced. Like, it's insane. Jesus. Yeah, and so this whole scene is, and and I think what my, the, the kind of the summation of my interaction with this was to hear, you know, a, a strong, capable woman who I love relate this as being like, this is very relatable to me, whether or not it's relatable in a like a nostalgic rose-colored glasses sense or relatable in something that is you know very um personal and impactful sure and i can understand how it can be extremely relatable it sucks that that is the status quo like that really sucks it does nobody should have to deal with that shit (laughs) right and it's 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 part of a bigger cultural movement i think where we you know a a lot of people love to give generation theory a bunch of crap but obviously the old people are worse than the young people all told (laughs) like generally you know obviously there's exceptions and like i'm not talking about your parents here listener but you know if you like them if you don't then i am uh and you know, I think it's just kind of, it's this generational thing of, like, to a certain age level, this is an acceptable way to deal with a child, and then to a certain age level, this is a completely unacceptable way of dealing with a child, and I think one of those is objectively correct, Um, and And would lead to better parent-child relationships, you know, across the board. And it's, in the end, it's great that, so what ends up happening is Millie, Millie, basically talks him down he refuses her letter of resignation as we mentioned and then you could tell that it's kind of one begat the other kind of thing like because she talked him down he's unfiring her yeah well and and then so he goes back into the movie theater where they're screening a completely innocuous movie public domain movie (laughs) (laughs) because we we don't have to clear any rights on that one baby (laughs) cha-ching cha-ching (laughs) <laughs> more more lines for Aaron. Hell yeah. Um so snort up that inspiration powder. <laughs> We're going to solve all the West Wing's problems tonight, Benny. So, he goes back in and like jokes with his daughter and sort of reconciles in an oblique way with her by by demonstrating to her that she she was right or he she's back in his good graces after he's had some time to think about right. it. And fine, like again, we've already, we've touched on how this whole I mean, drama uh, looked back on to. On one sense, uh, uh, an anger, you know, blow up moment followed by reconciliation is a very normal pattern. Yes, and you know, it's not inherently abusive. But you know, again, we went into all the reasons why uh, we consider it to be to be so. But as you were saying, no, and it's just um, it's sort of a very trite, very um, trite. Yes. function and it completely denies ellie's agency as an adult in the entire yes. interaction and yes ellie has no agency at all this episode aside from her decision to leak that comment 
uh, for which she pays a hefty exactly, price. Exactly, for which she is then shit on for 40 minutes worth of television. <laughs> so this is, you know, it's just another sort of meta example of the a, a pretty constantly running theme at this point, which where it's just like President Dad is the God King and mm-hmm. his whims on the moment dictate his approach to these issues. Marijuana Not just his approach, is, it dictates the entire world's response. Yes. You know, because this is fiction and because the world can wrap itself around these characters' whims if if the writer wishes it so, uh, that President God King Dad, literally his whims decide the fate of the world, you know, and and only him alone. And and it it is... There's no non-emotional reason for him to unflip out about the Surgeon General thing. It is all... It is not driven by facts or right. consideration or, or a political calculation exactly it's all personal it's yes. like how do i feel about this in the moment and right. had he had he or had the necessity for him to take action come up when he was heated about his daughter he would right. have said i'm going to i'm going to execute every smoker of the of the devil weed. <laughs> right and because like I'm we're mad. meant to think right and we're meant to think like that he get that he gets so worked up when he's mad is sort of admirable in a way. Like, you know, we've seen it before when it comes to military responses where he's like, I will give them the full fury of God's fire. <laughs> and like, and it's, and it's framed in a positive sense. And so uh, again, this all just kind of comes back to sort of this patriarchal bullshit where like, you know, the, 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 the father of the family can do no wrong. Yeah. And it's his um, way or the highway. And that's, that's what Sorkin's saying. You know, yep. that's ultimately Sorkin's message here. And I did look this up, and this episode was written entirely by Sorkin. <laughs> so he gets all of the blame for this one. Nice. Good job, buddy. <laughs> well, way uh, to go. So let's take another final break, and then we'll come back, do a little quick wrap-up, and uh, and close it out. Before we uh, officially wrap up, uh, we just had a few hanging things that we either wanted to mention on or plug. Um, so... We, we talked briefly about Japan earlier. So the president has been on a trip to Japan where uh, tariffs, uh, to be <laughs> extremely topical, have been, uh, have been discussed. You're going to get it. Punitive, punitive <laughs> tariffs. <laughs> I'm going full porky pig no, on that right. one. <laughs> punitive tariffs on steel have been discussed. Um, and very, very topical with the Trump tariffs Ugh. going on right now. Um, but uh, so the president, as his economist background, is, of course, flipping out in Japan. In, in theory, this is kind of what we get off screen uh, about these tariffs and stuff like that. And it made me think of this cool little blog I found one day when I was bored at work and had nothing to do. A uh, cool, weird little quarter of the Internet that I found called Spike Japan. You can find it if you just Google Spike Japan blog at Spike, like S-P-I-K-E, uh, like a railroad spike, because that's the theme. Uh, it's basically this dude who went around touring Japan's dying towns in like the Hokkaido region all these coal towns and steel towns that were real big back in like the 60s, the 70s, but because of the sort of urbanization and and hypercapitalization of Japan uh, have all died out, uh, both literally and figuratively, in that their populations are literally aging out and dying with no young people replacing them. 
And then also just like all these rail lines that used to go through there that have been picked up, all these factories that are now closed, all these houses like long abandoned. And it's just, he takes wonderful photos. He writes really, really well. Um, I really highly recommend it if you have some time to kill and just want to read. And I don't know, maybe I'm just a weeaboo or something, but so is Charlie, um, because we've, we've got a clip here, and I'm going to go ahead and let it play. Charlie. Moshi, Moshi. Konnichiwa, Sam. Ikaga desu ka? Yeah, listen, did you have a phone conversation with a movie producer named Morgan Ross? Yeah, last week. Can you tell me about that conversation? He's got a movie coming out. Prince of New York. Yeah, they wanted to screen at the White House. What did you say? They sent me the print the week before, and I looked at it. And you passed? Yeah. Charlie, was the president involved in that decision at all? No. He lets me choose the movies. I just didn't think he'd like it, so I got Dial M for murder instead. Sam? Okay. Tomorrow got told. Yeah. And I just, I love that Charlie is, like, just weeabooly obsessed with, with Japan and, and wanting to, well, to learn to how to pronounce. entry-level Japanese. <laughs> like, I'm sure, I'm sure he bowed very deeply um, to all the nice people in Japan. That's right. He's, well, you know, Charlie's nothing if not respectful. Absolutely. Um, you know, he, I think, I think he, he, like I, would get a kick out of their uh, sort of different culture and, um, and, more communal um, and polite sort of uh, public uh, behavior. Uh, but anyway, that's that's my Japan derail. Yeah, so that's about it for this time around. Like, again, it's another one of these where there's quite a bit to talk about and absolutely nothing happens. <laughs> um, so A good way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> so you know what, you guys? Go smoke weed. Um, yeah. Treat, treat your family better than the Bartlett's yes. do each other. Um, even God. Un- unless you're a low bar to clear. <laughs> well, as you say, unless, unless your family's a bunch of pieces of shit, in which case, fuck them. Um, yeah, then go off, king yeah. <laughs> or queen. Exactly. And we will catch up with you guys next time around. Sorry it's been so long. I've just been, speaking of family, my brother-in-law got married. Congratulations. Hey! Um, so... Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I was under a little under the weather, so we had kind of had some recording issues. Um, The next episode is entitled Someone's Going to Emergency, Somebody's Going to Jail, um, which is uh, people might remember because that song is used very prominently. Uh, it's another big block of cheese day episode Ooh. with uh, with where the weirdos come in and pitch their various weirdo things. And then our characters realize, hey, those weirdos actually have a point. <laughs> I'll be. Wow. We all learned something. So uh, we're looking forward to discussing that one next time. Uh, as always, you can drop us a comment in our thread. Uh, if you found us a different way, you can drop us an email at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. <laughs> nice. Nice. And, uh, and we will see you next time on another episode of The Worst Wing. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Send all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along.